Welcome to Series 7, Episode 4 of Hospital Ball with Jonathan Smith, a combative midfielder who had two spells with York City. Arriving as a relative unknown in the summer of 2010, Smith's performances not only impressed supporters at Booth and Crescent, but was enough for League 2 Swindon Town to come calling the year after, where he would become an integral part of their championship winning side in 2012. Jonathan did return briefly to York for a second spell and here he talks about both spells at the club as well as the rest of his career. This episode is kindly sponsored by City Cruises, partners of York City Football Club who operate sightseeing and dining cruises out of York, London and Poole. City Cruises refers to its sightseeing cruise as the York City Cruise, originally named as a homage to YCFC, with general manager Joe Dykes a huge supporter of the club. York City fans can get 10% off daytime and early evening sightseeing cruises by searching City Cruises York and entering YCFC10 at the checkout. YCFC10. Finally, if you are enjoying this series of the podcast, please consider donating via our Just Giving site. Justgiving.com slash York Hospital Radio. Justgiving.com slash York Hospital Radio. But without further delay, here is episode four with Jonathan Smith. So thanks for joining us, Jonathan, and, and really looking forward to hearing about your insights on your two spells at York City. But thought we'd start the interview on your time at Forest Green, which was a club where you really sort of started to make your name, wasn't it? I know you'd had a spell as a youngster at, at Morecambe and some loan spells at Fleetwood and Bamber Bridge. But am I right in sort of saying that, that it was a little bit different to the Forest Green Rovers of today, wasn't it? The eco-friendly vegan club that it, that it is. What, what was it like in 2007? It was a big challenge for me going down there changed my life really gone from never living away from home to moving sort of three hours away but I, I got lucky to be honest Jim Harvey who was my manager at Morecambe he always took a liking to me and he gave me the opportunity I had very few games under my belt before I went there and he just gave me a real chance in football really and I, I owe him a lot for that because as a young player you do often need someone who's going to you know throw you in and give you a chance and he did that he took me down there it wasn't good money like it is now there's a lot of change but they looked after me so well such a family club the expectation wasn't high which probably helped me a little bit in terms of they weren't really expected to get promoted then it was sort of a small club they were happy to be in the conference it was just really good for me to be there getting games you know getting experience and learning about the full-time game and you know I played in some really big games there and you know I just I absolutely loved it, it such a good time for me I grew up a lot you know having to live away from home and I didn't have money to sort of Forest Green's a really rich area I didn't have money to live in a really nice flat I was sort of house sharing just to get by and it was really good I think I read somewhere that you your dad even put some money into the Forest Green Road. Is that right? Was it like some shares or something like that? Yeah, I mean, the club was just really struggling. They was scrapping away, budget cut every year, sort of a group of local guys just running the club, really. They always said that because the area was such sort of a, a prevalent, rich area, that there is people in the area that would never let this club die. I think one of them stepped forward now, obviously, Dale Vince, who's the chairman, because it is such a lovely part of the world, the Cotswolds, and there is people in the background that would come in. And thankfully, it did for the club, you know, because they've moved on. But yeah, my dad, they were 
were sort of advertising outside the ground for people to, you know, invest in the club. And because my dad come and watch me every week, he, you know, he, he give a little bit to the club just to help him out. I, I mean, he stats for Forest Green were really impressive looking at, I mean, like you say, a, a club that really at that time were sort of looking to survive in the National League. I mean, 134 games, 18 goals from midfield. The highlight, I would imagine, was you scoring in the FA Cup third round against Derby. I mean, a spectacular long-range strike and your, your shirt off in celebration as well. I just wondered, was that your kind of highlight of your time at Forest Green? And was your celebration pre-planned because you were just sort of off, weren't you? Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it was funny because in the round before we'd played Rochdale and I was really ill that day and I wasn't going to play and I turned up to the game. We played Rochdale in round two, who at the time sort of top of League One, I think, doing really well under Keith Hill. And I was so excited for that game because we'd beaten Rotherham in the, in, the, in the round before. And if we won that or in the third round, you know, it was a big thing for the club. And I turned up to, for the Rochdale game, just not well. I'd not slept the night before. I was really sick. Not Ian, which is not like me, but one of the players, Darren Jones, the manager said, come in anyway, see the doctor, see how you are. And I went into the change room and captain Darren Jones is called. You probably come across it at some point. He's played for Newport and a few other teams. Real tough centre-back Welsh guy. Used to be in prison and hard as nails. And I went into the toilet area and he got hold of me and said, you're playing today. If you have to SHIT on the pitch, you have to do it. You're playing. And that was it. And next, I think the manager must have had a word to tell him because then the manager pulled me and said, how are you? Do you think you could give it a go? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll give it a go. I was just a young lad and give it a go. And ended up scoring and we won. We beat Rochdale 2-0. I've been not eating, hardly drunk anything. So then the, the Derby game, yeah, it was the, the, the biggest game that I'd played up to that point. And, you know, I had all my family and friends down there and we really should have won that game, to be honest. I think it came off when we were winning as well, which is a bit frustrating. I took a really bad dead leg. I remember the lad who did it, Miles Addison, he were called. He need me in the, in the thigh and I just couldn't carry on. And we were 3-2 and uh, thinking we were going through and then um, they scored two late goals and knocked us out I was absolutely gutted but it was a good moment you know scoring a goal like that but definitely didn't plan the celebration <laughs> I mean I, I watched the highlights back on YouTube and it was, it was an incredible game and I've, I've not realised before I remember the game at the time that like seeing the score and seeing it was close but I didn't realise that Alex Lawless had got the second goal as well obviously a future York City player and yeah 2-0 up then 3-2 up and 4-3 at the end. It, I know that obviously that would have been, a you'd have been devastated in the dressing room as I'm sure the, all the players will have been, but did that give you some sort of confidence that, that you could, you know, you could mix it with these players? I mean, they were championship work at the time, but the previous season they'd been in the Premier League. I mean, that must have given given you a, a big boost to know that you could compete at that level. Yeah, for sure. I mean, at that point, there was no one you could have put in front of me. I was so fit. I was so, I was just young, aggressive. I was chomping at the bit to get to where I needed to be and Derby didn't frighten me one bit. I'm, I'm just, remember being excited but I remember Robbie Savage at the end of the game he said to me you're a good player you know keep going and it definitely did give me confidence yeah but I had sort of a self-belief and confidence then that but I could you know keep going I was doing well in the league games and yeah it was a good time You signed for York City in, in 2010 was it a big decision to move I mean I know it might have come down to York's ambition was to go up and Forest Greens was probably to stay up but you know in terms of location it, it was a fairly big move for you wasn't it and I wondered whether Alex Lawless was an influence on you because he'd joined the year before Yeah Alex was a good friend of mine and, and he still is to this day you know he's a top guy and I, I you know, I get on with him well. I play with him at three clubs and he's such a good guy. But I think for me, I looked at York and I thought, big club. I'd been to watch Preston as a kid, Bootham Crescent. I remembered it being such a good atmosphere. I'd played for Forest Green at York and, you know, I just remember the atmosphere thinking, yeah, this is a big club. And with them getting to the playoff final, you know, in the back of my mind, I was desperate to get to the Football League and I thought York is one of them where there's a good chance of that happening. That was the big thing for me. And it was, after being at Forest Green for three years, sort of family club, you know, it was a 
big change and a big move for me, but I'm looking forward to it. What did Martin Foyle say to you to sort of join? What, what was his way of sort of persuading you to join? Or did it not take much persuading for you to come to York City? At the time, Dean Saunders was pushing me so hard to go to Wrexham, so hard. He was ringing me, I think, every day. He was, he, And I actually went and met him, but it was just something about the club. I don't know what it was. Martin, yeah, him and Andy, they showed me around the training ground, but I think for some reason, deep down, just from past experience and them getting to the playoff final, I just thought something with the atmosphere, something about Bootham Crescent just stuck in my mind. That's the place where I want to play. And yeah, I think that made my mind up more than anything else. It was clear early on that you had a real sort of combative style that I think York fans took pretty much straight away. Was there a player that you sort of modelled your game on as you were growing up? I think when I was younger, I was I wouldn't say I was the most aggressive or strongest player. I was always quite small and I did get pushed around a little bit. And I think when I got to 17, 18, I'm at, at coming through the youth at Morecambe, I think playing in those college leagues against sort of your Liverpool colleges, your Preston colleges, your, your Manchester colleges, there were some real tough lads and you had to be a tough lad to compete with them. And that sort of really brought me on in terms of that. And I just think that modelling myself on someone, I don't think I did. I think I just thought I wanted to be the box-to-box player. I'd always been a good runner. I could always run, you know, at school and, and college and sort of try to bring that style to my game where I could do the box-to-box role. I mean, you established yourself part of midfield straight away. But the team struggled, didn't they? Certainly against expectations, I think. And, and it came to a head for Martin Foyle after a 5-0 defeat at Mansfield, a game that you were sent off in, I think, quite early on in that game. Because Martin resigned sort of shortly after the game, did you feel guilty at all? How, how does it feel when, you, when you've been yeah. sent off and then, you know, the team go on and, and have a bad defeat? Yeah, I remember the game even to this day. There's no doubt we started a bit slow and I started a little bit, probably a little bit slow myself in terms of getting going. I wasn't at my best to start with. I know that. It took me a while to sort of settle. I come into a team that were really bonded, a team that had got to the playoff final. The lads were really close and personally, it sometimes takes me a little bit of time to get settled and it did. I didn't settle straight away for sure, but I was just sort of getting going and that Mansfield game was such a disappointment for me, you know, because I'd started that game really quick and I got a book in for something really cheap. The second yellow, the guy, we just we just clashed heels. Kyle Nix, I remember the name, and he just flashed the red card straight. So I committed two offences and the second one was just like, we both tripped each other up. It was like a clash of heels running back. He sent me off and yeah, I felt bad because it's the first time I'd ever been sent off. Martin came in at the end of the game sort of saying I'd let all the lads down and Andy, you know, they, they, they went for me a little bit saying you need to calm your style down, blah, blah, blah. And they said that I could go and play for the reserves. Playing a game the day after against Wigan and go and have a game because you've only played 20 minutes today. So I thought, fair enough, I'll go and play that. And I was sat in the car in the morning, you know, the afternoon before the game and Martin pulled up in his car and came and sat in my car next to me and said, I apologise for everything I said last night. I've just watched that. We've watched it back on the video. It's never been a sending off the worst decision we've seen. It's an absolute joke and it's cost us the game that. And he said a few things to me, which at the time I didn't think anything of. But looking back, he was sort of said, look, you're going to have a good career. You're a good lad. Keep up what you're doing. And he was saying all these things to me. And then I played the reserve game. Then after the reserve game, he was gone. It was so crazy. I was like, he had a real good chat with me in the car one-to-one, which wasn't really his style either. But he, he was sort of saying all these things to me. And then after the game, he was gone. It was like it had already happened. And what were you thinking about at that point? Because often a new manager can come in and, and have their own ideas and players sometimes move on. Were you worried about that? Because you, obviously you've moved quite a fair amount away from home, haven't you? Yeah, at that point, I don't think I was too worried. I think I was more, I think as you get older, them sort of things, because you see it happening all the time. I was a bit naive and young at the time to think that someone would come in and go, we, we don't want you. Um, I just believed in what I was doing. Like I said, I felt like I was just sort of getting going, you know, before the Mansfield game. The, the Mansfield game, I'd actually started 
played quite well and having to miss I think I missed the next game Gary come in and yeah it was sort of fresh start for everyone but yeah I believed in what we're doing I were training well and straight away he was such a good guy to play for as everyone says I think the time that, that and I've mentioned this on a few podcasts before that the time for me personally as a fan that I'd started believing in Gary Mills was the, the two Rotherham games in the FA Cup where they were sort of I think top of the league above and we'd gone to that old Don Valley Stadium the, the running track around the outside and got, yeah. got a nil-nil draw and you thought oh well might have a chance at home but you know they might kind of turn up Rotherham and, and we absolutely battered them 3-0 at home and Boone Crescent was absolutely bouncing was that the same for you as a player to start sort of believing in Gary Mills or, or did you believe in his sort of philosophy and everything as soon as you started training for him whatever the manager says I'll, I'll do my best to my ability but Gary yeah he definitely brought a style at the time which really suited me 4-3-3 box to box getting everywhere it really suited my game and felt comfortable straight away with what he wanted and we had a good team you know we had a young energetic team I mean we didn't have the amazing sort of footballers which I think the year after playing some outstanding footballers you know some of the guys have said listen to the podcast with Scotty Kerr and your books and Paddy as well you know players like Matty Blair they had some outstanding footballers the, the season before when he came in we sort of had a it was like a young energetic style team who on our day we were running all over teams we weren't playing amazing football but we were so fit definitely suited me at that point the reward for that Rob game was the FA Cup match in the third round at Bolton and that must have been pretty special for you because I imagine Bolton from Preston is not particularly far is it I imagine you'd have probably had some sort of family there would you watching that game oh yeah yeah big big game for me that at the time and yeah to play Bolton drive past that stadium all the time couldn't wait for that one great draw for me but we, we went Billy we went there thinking we could do it you know we had the team at the time we were strong and on another day we could he's, he's looking back he's, he's disappointed thinking we should have had something out of that you know a couple of areas cost us but there wasn't much in it and I've learned over the years there isn't that much in sometimes the leagues you know it's sometimes that little bit here and there but on a one-off game you know you can compete with these teams Do you think Bolton underestimated York? that day potentially yeah I mean the support we had that day was outstanding I think we had 5,000 there roaring us on it ended up probably being like a home game having all that noise and it, yeah it was a special day they probably did underestimate us a bit I've been sort of the bigger club playing the lower team although you tell yourself oh it'll be alright today we're only playing them but unfortunately we couldn't we couldn't turn it we couldn't get it done you play in a bigger club the concentration levels of the lower league team just naturally goes up than if you were playing a normal league game although league game as much as you are switched on prepared as you can you play a bigger club like a Premier League team in, in the FA Cup and it, I can't afford to play bad today or I'm going to get found out and it's that sort of attitude I need to be at my best or these are going to find me out and that's why you often see upsets because the lower league teams are so switched on and so concentrated that they've defined the best and if, if Premier League team isn't as switched on and sometimes it does even it up a little bit you look back at that Bolton team that day I mean Alonso now plays for Chelsea Rodrigo now plays for Leeds was playing Kevin Davis Elmander came off the bench as well then he, Gary Cahill I mean they had a really strong team out as well wasn't it it wasn't like they kind of played their reserves it, it was a decent Bolton side I know Kevin from my time at Chesterfield he does a little bit of work at the club and I mentioned it to him before and he even, even said to me we got lucky that day he said it since he remembers every game like, but he said I remember us getting lucky that get that game he said we were too late goals weren't it there was some real momentum I think after that game for York and as they sort of chased the playoff spot down which was probably a little bit too much in the end but you know you got five goals in 44 <laughs> games the best one for me I don't know if it's the same for you was was the one against Crawley where you had that lung busting run and finish from 
rankings cross. I mean, that, that was a really good performance, but again, just drew that game, didn't we? And another two points sort of dropped from us and, and it was just a little bit out of reach, wasn't it, in the end? He was. I mean, it was great building blocks for the next season in terms of people looked to us then again as a force. And I know I weren't there myself the next season, but that's why it was a bit of a hard decision for me to go because I felt like something was happening there. He built a team that was, like I said, young, energetic, players were coming in. And yeah, you mentioned that crawler game and Ranks. Ranks was a great striker for me to play with personally. He holds the ball up. He used to play me in a lot. Thrived under him a little bit. And I, I seem to thrive under them sort of strikers, you know, that do that dirty work. And yeah, Ranks, you know, I really enjoyed playing with him. And Michael Rankin, again, going back to that Bolton games as quickly, he, he was immense that day. I think that was one of the best I've ever seen him play. And you're right, that non-league player switching on to, to sort of play their best. I think I think Rankin had their two centre-outs all over the place, certainly in the first half. Really good player. At what point did Swindon Town become interested in you then? You know, you mentioned there about moving on to them. When were you aware of their interest? Yeah, it, it was the summer. For, for me, I was, I was so desperate to get to the Football League because I'd never had that chance and I'd come from lower down and it, I need to play in the Football League that it was just something I need to have to do my best chance of that was was being with with York getting promoted with York and that's why I signed for them and I felt like I'd finished the season strong and I played a lot of games and I'd done well and then I got a call in the summer I was on holiday to say would I be interested in talking to Swindon Town and I was under contract to York it was sort of a tricky one in my head I was thinking I was so happy at York and so looking forward to the next season I wasn't pushing for a move I, I didn't even have an agent you know ringing around or anything I'm happy at York I've got another year left Gary Mills yeah it's great I'm playing every week we're going to push for promotion That that's all I was thinking and sort of Swindon came in and oh it was a tricky one for me and I had to be honest with myself and say oh, I'm going to have to speak to him because it's a football league team they've just got a big manager at the time no one knew how it would be under Paolo Di Canio if it would be good or bad or, or crazily wrong but we'd have to speak to him because it's, it's sort of an opportunity spoke to the chairman about it and spoke to Gary about it and they gave me permission to have a chat with him if a fee could be agreed and it all happened really quick from there to be honest I have to make a decision and I remember being torn really really torn and I know it's easy for me to say that on a York City podcast but I was I did enjoy my time at York I was settled I had a nice I was living in a nice part I got on with all the lads and am I ready to move again but it was my ambition of football league that I thought if I don't take it I might regret it could have been anyone else in the national league could have tried to sign you put a bid in for you but you wouldn't have gone to anyone else it was only the fact that it was a football league that kind of was the, the big pull for you getting that chance in the football league money wasn't an issue I don't think there was any sort of difference in the wages in the end hardly anything anyway it was more just a chance here to prove myself in the football league and make my dad proud that was why I played for I don't know how many years really to do him proud and it was I'm a football league player now and I know now you look at it National League and football league's hardly any difference but at the time, for me, it was just that thing. Were you, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but were you Di Canio signing? You said that someone phoned you. Was he aware of who you were? You know, because Di Canio's obviously played in the Premier League and, and the SPL and, and, and Serie A and everything, but I didn't know how knowledgeable he would have been about the National League. That was the big thing. I was adamant that I wouldn't be going anywhere until the manager rings me. I don't care if he's Paolo Di Canio, Alex Ferguson. I, I didn't care. I said, I need to speak to him before I decide what I'm doing. Thoughts were that before Di Canio came in, I was a player that had been what? by Swindon recruitment whoever they were had been flagged up he's doing well in the National League this and that Di Canio comes in obviously not an expert on the English leagues looks at these players that are available and decided that he did like me off some of the videos he had watched of me so he'd never seen me live but he'd watched these videos of York v whoever it was maybe Crawley at home or whoever it was I don't know so that was the thing I was flagged up before he'd got the job so then Paolo's come in and said right players wise 
what have we got? There's this lad at York, Jonathan Smith, and I, I was adamant I needed to speak to him and I, w- I wouldn't have done anything until he did. And then one day I was working with my dad in the off-season, helping him out, and I got a call off an unknown number and it was him. And he was so passionate and so demanding. He, he did swing it a little bit in terms of we're going to do this and we're going to do that and you're going to be this and you're going to be that. And from, from then on, it was difficult for me you know, to make a tough phone call. You know, to say to Jason, look, I'm, if it can be sorted, you know, I would like to, I would like to go and take that chance. But Jason was amazing. You know, he even wrote me a letter, even though I was only there sort of a year at York. He wrote me a real nice letter to me and my family, you know, to say thanks for your efforts. I don't think I missed a training session the whole time I was there, and I give everything for every game. And he wrote a really nice letter to say thanks for your efforts, and you're always welcome back. And tough, it, it was a really hard decision driving away from York. You know, with my stuff packed up, it, it, there was a little bit, a bit of sadness to be honest. But I had to sort of look forward and go in my gut. Did Gary try to talk you out of going? He did. He, I think they ended up offering probably more money than what Swindon were. But it, like I said to you, it wasn't that. It was just the opportunity to play in the Football League. And I felt like if I turn this down now, looking back, I'd have probably got there anyway with my mindset. And I'd, I'd, hopefully I'd have been in the York team that went up. But an opportunity at the time, I just felt like I couldn't turn down. And the manager did. To be fair, Paolo, he, he was an amazing guy to play for. When you did sign for Swindon and, and you were there in pre-season the first day, does Paolo Di Canio, does he still join in training? Did he try to kick him? <laughs> how, how did it work? I could speak for hours and stories on Paolo Di Canio, but he's well known. We were in everyday training. We didn't get a day off. And he, he laid that out to me when I signed. He said, there will not be any days off. You might get the odd one here and there, but we won't be taking days off. In Italy, we train seven days a week. He will train seven days a week. There'll be no this, no that, no eating this, no eating that. But in terms of him joining in, he used to join in on a Sunday. So he played on a Saturday. On a Sunday, you do sort of, you come in and do a cool down. The lads that haven't played, or if you'd not played sort of minimum 60 minutes, you would do it sort of just five aside. So Sunday was quite fun. Even if you didn't, you didn't want to be there, you wanted a day off really. But if you came in, you just played five aside, but he would join in and he would wear his Copa Mundial football boots. And it was unbelievable. He was the best player by a country mile, even at his age then. If you're on his team, he would be screaming at you. Five aside, he would be going mad. He'd play passes if he didn't get on the end of them or didn't finish them. He would be screaming at you. He would let you know you often didn't really want to be on his team. But if you was, you knew you'd win. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> he was so good. He'd have his Copa Mundials on, not even tied up. His laces just hanging off. He just had such ability, but it was his mentality more than anything that's you know I learn off I've listened to quite a few podcasts of players who played for Swindon around that era sort of Simon Ferry and Tommy Miller and they were sort of saying about that relentlessness no days off I'm sure Tommy Miller said that it was about 78 days straight that he was yeah. he was in training I noticed that you went sort of 10 days to Italy on a, on a pre-season tour and I think you scored in an 11-0 win against some sort of Italian amateurs and what impact did all that have on, on your fitness? Those 10 days in Italy the first trip that we went on was the toughest 10 days I think I've ever done. It was like pretty much being in prison. You were, The hotel was not nice and he picked that on purpose. You were sort of in old school hotel eating not good food, vegetables and plain chicken every, and pasta every night. But for me, because I'd come from lower down, I'd have done anything. That was the thing, Daniel. No days off didn't bother me. I was a single lad in Swindon. I'd train every day, no problem. If you're not, if we're not training, I'll be in the gym anyway. It was, I know a lot of people struggle with that if you've got families and stuff and lads did. But at the time for me, it weren't a problem to be doing that much training and I, I was learning so much off him but yeah it was tough in Italy we was training so hard and yeah that game you mentioned I remember being like really up for that and wanting to make an impression first game and scored and I threw myself into some big tackles that game and some of them local Italians they were threatening to slit my throat at the 
end of the game, I can tell you that. That's what I do remember. <laughs> I mean, you started the first game of the season, a 3-0 win over Crew in front of 8,000 fans. And I mean, did that feel a bit mad to you, given that, you know, two years before, with all due respect to Forest Green Rovers, you'd, you'd have been playing in probably less than a 1,000 of that sort of era. It must have felt a little bit surreal, would it have? Yeah, I mean, I weren't sure the size of Swindon, but it, it is a big club. You go down there, they've got a nice stadium, the whole town are behind them. Especially at that point when we had Paolo in charge, you're going to test scores and people are constantly coming up to you and you walk through town it, it is a big club in sort of its own right and especially around that time under Paolo there was a lot of spotlight on the club and they were getting big crowds and yeah that first game was brilliant for me we saw my first start in the Football League and to win 3-0 yeah it was a good day for me I remember Swindon finishing the season as champions but when I look into that how that season panned out I mean you lost the next four games um, what, what was Di Canio like in the dressing room at that point and there must have been a fair bit of scrutiny and pressure starting to build losing four straight games big time yeah we won the first one without playing that well then the next game we decided to change the team around quite a lot we had a lot of foreign players who struggled at the start to really get to grips with League 2 it was so physical we were getting done off set pieces he was going yeah he was going crazy he was down himself a little bit the fans were anywhere the fans were already saying we want him out you know we're in the bottom two I think after five games you could feel pressure building already and yeah more players were coming more players were going it was chaos and I thought at the time thinking I don't know how long this can go on with this guy being the way he is he's so intense and um, luckily we, we, we got it going because it, it was definitely a tough start and you mentioned there that foreign players that were coming in maybe struggled to adapt to League 2 how did you find it as, as someone who'd, who'd played all your career in non-league to step up to League 2 did you notice much of a difference yeah no I mean I, w- I was ready for it and I think Paolo prepared us really well in terms of well we're all really fit so that wasn't a problem and League 2 as you know yourself you know it's a bit of a physical league and we had some good players lucky to play with some really good players that year and yeah I was eager to prove myself which helped you know I had that desire and hunger in my belly to prove myself and I think for me it was more proving to myself that I could do it and, and one yeah. of the games your first goal against South End, which was an absolute cracker wasn't it did that make you feel like you'd almost arrived in League 2 when you put in that performance and, and capped it off with such a fantastic long range strike yeah I've been, I've been playing well you know in a lot of the games and feeling good and yeah it was obviously really good to score in front of the fans and get that buzz you can't be scoring a goal as everyone says and it was a good feeling because you, you want to contribute don't care wherever you are in football you want to contribute you want to score you want to make assists you want to be get clean sheets and it's, it's, it's difficult when you sort of sub or in the stand because you can't you can contribute by encouraging but you want to be out there you know contributing and I felt like yeah I'm contributing now I'm part of this it ended up being like a bit of a promotion train wasn't it Swindon just literally once you got on that momentum there was only one way you were going to end up and that was that was going up as champions and what was it like being part of that side once you were on that momentum and, and also playing alongside you know some of those players like Matt Ritchie who's obviously a regular in the Premier League now and Aidan Flint who's been in the championship for a number of years it must have been really special time to be part of that side yeah we had like I said we had some good players at the time some of them have gone on to do really well and at the time I didn't realise how good some of them, those players were I mean they were good but whether you thought Matt Ritchie was going to be a regular Premier League player I, you know, I wouldn't have said it but he's got a great attitude and I think what helped there's no doubt about it that Paolo has, has helped his mentality because he's helped mine. everyone who played under him will say the same you know he's got this winning mentality in him desire to be better and I think that really helped me going forward in my career you know to keep me going such a attention to detail and fitness and everything and diet and all that I learned so much about all that sort of stuff which before I didn't even think about it it was just run out and play and you, know, you have your beans on Tossed and you crack on. 
after the season, you transfer listed by Swindon. Did that feel disrespectful? I mean, I, you know, look at your stats from that season. You have 48 appearances. You've been a real key player as part of that promotion team. And also you, you got to the Football League trophy final as well. You know, did you feel a little bit disrespected there by that? And also, I, I know that you you wanted to sort of stay and sort of prove your point, but they didn't take you on the tour to Italy for the following pre-season. That, that must have, surely must have hurt. It was tough because... I think for me, I'd given so much that season. I think from the from the day one of pre-season, I don't think I missed a training session. I trained every single day for the seven days. Lads sort of had a few breaks here and there. If you had, had an injury, you got a little break. Whereas I just ploughed through the whole season. And I think it got towards the last sort of five, six games and we'd won the league and results sort of went a little bit sticky. We lost the odd one because we'd won the won the league and I think, I'll be honest, my performance towards the end was, wasn't was amazing. I'd lost a bit of my intensity. I think it was down to how much I'd played, how much I'd trained, what I'd done, the mental side of it. I'd gone from being a non-league player to a football league player and played all these games and done all this training and had the high of playing at Wembley and winning the league and towards the end, we'd won the league and I think, Paolo, I think we lost the game, I think it was against Bradford away one I think we might have lost to Bradford or someone we lost to someone and he went absolutely crazy we'd already sort of won the league and we'd, I think we'd lost 1-0 and it was a bit of a scrappy game and he just sort of lost his head with quite a few players and unfortunately for me I think I must have been one of them that I think my performance I think mainly not not for lack of trying just sort of intensity levels just legs just absolutely dead you know from the amount of games and unfortunately I think he, he judged me on that you know obviously gutting because I, I loved it there and I've been part of a successful team and got these two medals from the season having played all these games I think on one supporters thing I got well I did I got a player of the year trophy you know quite noble of you to sort of say oh my intensity dipped and but it sounds to me like any player your form goes up and down doesn't it and, and Paolo must have experienced that as part of his career as well it yeah. just seems strange that you know I would imagine you would have been really liked by Paolo Di Canio because of the fact you don't miss a training session and, and you're really committed in everything mm. that you do it just seems to me a, a real odd thing particularly to be transfer list as well it's alright sort of saying oh you know you're available to go if another team finds you but, but to be actually put on a transfer list just seemed yeah. a little bit serious yeah. but I guess that is Paolo Di Canio isn't it like you say yeah it was tough to take his idea was that going into League One we're going to be going straight to the Championship we're going to be signing players on loan from Tottenham we've got he said we've got a player called John Bostock coming in we've got other Gary Roberts coming in we've got some big players coming in from a Championship level ready to play Championship in his opinion I wasn't ready to play Championship and my argument was well, we're going into League One you know we've just won League Two so yeah but I'm but I'm signing players for championship. My argument was like, bring whoever you want. Like, I will be ready come the first day of pre-season to fight for my place no problem I've still got a year in my contract I will be fighting as hard as anyone for my place and I brushed it off thinking that would be the case I'll get my place he sort of gave me a bit more hunger thinking in a way like you say he's, he's disrespecting me a little bit here you know I've done all this for him I've given my absolute everything for him but yeah no one's coming no one's coming here and taking my place and that's the attitude I had I went away in the summer and I trained even harder you know ready to go but coming back for pre-season just the message was straight away I'm not going to play in any friendlies I'm not going to be going to Italy on the tour and you sort of start thinking he's serious this guy he's not going to use me yeah and you didn't want to obviously lose a year of your career that, that you've worked so hard to uh, get to the place you have done I mean how, how quick did did York City get in touch about coming back and I know Luton were interested in you that summer as well but how quickly did Gary get on the phone to try persuade you to come back to Boven Crescent yeah pretty quick it was Jason he rang me pretty much very quickly saying would you, would you come back and I was like absolutely um, I would come back been promoted I've been promoted let's chat would love 
love to come back love playing for Gary he said well Gary's going to give you a ring Gary rang me there was little bits of other interest from Cheltenham we were sort of in that Swindon sort of area but I just felt like if I go back there I know how Gary Mills works the formation it'll suit me going back there rather than let's move again to a different club you know having been at York having been at Forest Green to York to Swindon and then another new start if I ever go to York back to York it's not really a new start I'm sort of familiar with it Did it feel like you almost had like unfinished business at York? Yeah I just enjoyed my time there like I said earlier on it was so difficult for me to leave and having been there a year and I liked the manager that was the big thing I liked Jason was like I said wrote me the letter when I left was brilliant with me I liked the lads you know you got your Scotty Kerr's loved playing with him such a good player great pro I was thinking, you know, it'd be great. I've been in touch with him as well. Obviously, you get Scotty saying, yeah, come back and stuff. And it, it was pretty easy decision to come back, to be honest. Because it seemed like a perfect move on paper. I mean, like you say, York were on a crest of a wave after getting promoted Wembley twice and you were a League Two champion. And, and it just didn't seem to work out, did it? I mean, you played the first 13 games and I was looking back at the sort of fixtures that you played in. I think York drew nil-nil with Cheltenham and they'd not won in four games. And I think you had a, a sort of heavy touch when you went clean through. And then you weren't in the squad the next game. And I wonder, was that a factor? I, don't, you know, I was looking back at the match reports from when you sort of dropped out the side. Was that was that something that you remember? Potentially, I, I can't you know 100% remember that. I just think personally for me, because I'd won League 2 under Paolo and we won that league, I think, I don't know, coming back, expectation on me. Maybe I put it on myself. I don't know, you know, expectation that, oh yeah, Jonathan Smith is, is going to do this and going to do that was actually the type of player I'm on box to box. I'll give everything. I'll score a few goals. Whereas, I don't know if Gary, I remember Gary sort of saying to me you haven't scored you haven't scored a goal yet we played somewhere he said you haven't even scored a goal yet for us and I remember those words putting a little bit of pressure on me I don't know if you were trying to get the best out of me but that's never been I score a few goals but I've never been sort of a prolific player and I don't know if he expected me to come in and sort of smash 15-20 goals in you know something like that from midfield I think it took me a little bit of time again to settle in terms of I come back to a squad that had won promotion that were really close together I'd won promotion myself because I'm still close with the lads I won promotion with at Swindon when you win win a league, you sort of tend to always be close and I think I came back in it, it took me a little bit of time to you know get back into it and settle and I think a little bit of going from Paolo where everything is real like it's a bit like the army and a bit like you're eating this after training you're eating this before training we're doing this we're doing that whereas I came to York and it was a bit more relaxed again and I think it took me a little bit of time to get back into that I won't say relaxed because Gary's desperate to win like you wouldn't believe but it was just a bit a bit of a different style to Paolo Did the club feel the same as when you'd been there before? It was only a year difference wasn't it? But it, I think for me it did feel a little bit different in terms of players were so close it was difficult for me to sort of and I think it probably a few players like that as well difficult to come into a group that had such success and then my mentality I just won League 2 I want to win League 2 again you know and I, I don't know if it was that's the aim it, it's a difficult question that to be honest Daniel if it's changed or not I mean the, the fans were brilliant with me when I was there and second time you know the fans were always behind the team and I still love running out of Booth and Crescent but if, I, if I'm being honest my performances weren't to the level what they were at Swindon and I think that's just being brutally honest and I didn't produce I mean 13 games isn't a lot really I think sometimes I have a little bit of a slow start and it does take me time you know come Christmas I'm flying because I'm fit but it's just I didn't start well and York kind of had a mixed start didn't it I remember that you know the expectation of the first game at home to Wickham and, and we lost that 3-1 and it was real up and down I and mean, then the following week I think we won 3-1 at Barnet it, it was such a weird start to the season for York as, as I think York City were sort of adjusting themselves weren't they back into the football league when I left we 
like we weren't in a relegation battle. We were lower mid-table. We weren't in the worst position to be in. We weren't doing amazing. But I think, yeah, I think everyone expected higher. And obviously since mid-table League 2, looking at where York now isn't isn't a bad place. But at the time, it was, we need to be doing better. It just felt like that. It felt like we were inconsistent. And yeah, we, I remember we, we beat Oxford at home 3-1, who ended up being right up there. We had potential. It was just a bit sort of inconsistent. And you, you were learned to Luton, weren't you, who, who tried to sign you in the summer, like I mentioned, which obviously didn't go down too well with York fans, I think. But but you'd sort of missed that rivalry, hadn't you? I think it was sort of before your time with the, with the playoffs the season before and then obviously beating them at yeah. Wembley. You, you were a Swindon player, but it obviously went well, your loan spell. I mean, York recalled you and you, you came on at halftime in a 4-1 win over Bristol Rovers. But was your kind of mind made up at that point that you wanted to move on to Luton Town? I think for me, Luton had chased me hard in the summer and I wanted to stay in League 2 and that was the thing. And played in a, a York 1-0, we, we beat Luton at home 1-0 for York. Jamie Reid might have scored. Jamie Reid scored, yeah. Yeah, I played that one. That was a good game because I remember Gary Brabin having a bit of a strop. That's right. Because uh, my missus now, Lisa, always always remembers that. She's like, that's the best thing I've ever seen. Like, she was right close to the tunnel. She's watched me play millions of times, but she always remembers that one. The manager like going crazy at the stewards. Something happened, and she said she she'd never hardly been to a football match before that. And she was like, she taught she took a friend who was at uni in Leeds, and they loved it. And it was like that was so entertaining. The manager going, <laughs> she said, can we? They wanted to come again then <laughs> after that. <laughs> But yeah, I went to Luton, went on loan just to play regular football, really. And Gary allowed it. Gary pulled me and said, look, it might do some good, go and get some games. And Luton have come in, National League. And it was a bit of a, oh, it's down south, sort of far away. I'm going to be moving again. But at the time, football was at my forefront. And it was just, yeah, let, let's give it a go. If, that, if you think that's best for me and sports to the people of Luton. And yeah, alone, not a big commitment, really going there and seeing how it goes playing playing on lawn and you can always come back you know do you think Gary was expecting you to come back then do you, and I obviously recalled you when we had an injury and, and like I say you played in that Bristol Rovers game which was probably one of the better performances of the season really but was it almost like detrimental to what that, Gary's thinking there because it kind of opened your eyes to Luton who obviously really took to you straight away yeah I mean I, I'd gone to Luton and I think I played four or five there and I was straight away back to my best I don't know what it was whether it was position or because it was dropping down a league or I don't know what it was or they just free reign a little bit like the pressure had been taken off I'd gone, I'd gone there and it just had four or five really strong games scored a couple of goals went, it went well and yeah just felt like I was back to my best really which was what a loan's for worked well but I think the problem was I'd been called back by Gary and then I was due to play for Luton I think on the Saturday and had a big a big game against someone and there was a, they called me back which was fair enough but then I got called back and then I was left on the bench which frustrated me a bit because I was told that yeah you coming back so we've got an injury you're going to be playing basically and then when I got there I wasn't playing and I know I came on but it was a bit of a frustrating thing for me that my loan had been cut short because of an injury yeah fair enough I'm going to go and play in League 2 fair enough you know back in see how it goes it wasn't at that point it wasn't I'm desperate to get back to Luton. and it was yeah I'm going back there to play and then that's where there might have been a little bit of words exchanged that didn't go down too well and you, and you did sign for Luton permanently in January ahead of you know a remarkable FA Cup win and you seem to have quite a few of these on your CV don't you I've, I've forgot to mention about the Swindon beating uh, Wigan as well in the FA Cup we were in the Premier League at the time but you won 
away at Norwich City, who uh, I think that was the first non-league club to ever defeat a Premier League club in the FA Cup. And Norwich had Harry Kane on loan, didn't they, who played up front and Johnny House in the midfield. I mean, that must have been a huge confidence boost for Luton Town at the time. And yourself, again, sort of mixing it with top Premier League players and, and coming out on top. Yeah, it was. I mean, my, my full debut for Luton was was against Wolves at home in the FA Cup. It was strange because one of the reasons which, which I got frustrated with at York is we played in the FA Cup against someone and I was on the bench and I was coming on. Gary's told me to get ready and I was all stripped and ready to come on. It might have been Wimbledon. It was Wimbledon because the home game we drew and I was coming on and then just as about to come on he changed his mind and put someone else on and it really frustrated me that I was really disappointed because obviously I'd come back from the loan, played the Bristol Rovers one, come on, and the next game he didn't bring me on at all in this FA Cup match. So I was disappointed with that because I was just about to get on. But then it turned out that that meant I wasn't cup-tied so I could play against Wolves and I could play against Norwich at Luton. So it's just funny how things work out, you know, because a lot of people ask me about that Norwich game. If I'd have got on in that Wimbledon game, which at the time I was desperate to get on and I was really frustrated going on that I didn't get on. But that meant I wasn't cup-tied because I hadn't entered the pitch. So it's just funny how things go. Yeah, everything's happens for a reason, I guess. Carrow Road, I mean, that, that must have been an incredible experience. So like I say, for a non-league team to beat a Premier League club is a remarkable effort. We had a striker up front, Andre Gray, who was on fire at the time in the league and even in the Wolves game at home that we won he was just you know you could see he was strong and he was he was ready to move up and we had some decent players and suited us being that team I think with, with Luton in the conference it was always you're expected to win every game every game you should win and if you don't the fans are going to be on your case and that is what it was like and all of a sudden in the, in the cup it was we're not expected to win anymore we're expected to lose and it was just I think that helped in a way it took the pressure off the players and just we can go out today and if we lose if we lose we lose whereas we're playing Boreham Wood next week and we have to win that game or else we're going to be getting abuse on social media in the stands and fair enough Luton's a big club and they expect to be at the top they expect to beat those teams and that, that was just the way it was because I think Harry Kane got hauled off at half time didn't he in that match Did you were you aware of who he was at the time because I think he was wasn't yeah, quite no, as well known was he not quite as well known then I, 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 remember play, I remember him playing in sort of the number 10 role behind the striker not really affecting it he didn't cause us any problems because I think it would have been better for us for him to stay on because they ended up bringing Grant Holt on who they pushed straight up front and he was winning headers flicking them on and he, he all of a sudden became a much tougher test whereas Harry was at the time a young lad getting it into his feet and he didn't have the effect but at that point we, we obviously we didn't we knew they had a lad along from Tottenham a young, a young player but not obviously gone on to do amazing things and I think it was Paul Buckle who signed you but, but he left in the February of that season John still came in but I think it was the lowest ever position Luton have ever come but the next season you were making a real telling contribution there and uh, but you broke your leg in December didn't you against Barnet I think I think it was on Boxing Day and you know reading some of the Luton fans said you know they could hear the crack and, and stuff like that when you broke your leg I mean that must have been you know mentally and physically really difficult to come back from probably your first big injury wasn't it yeah definitely my first injury and tough to come back from something like that but I think I was young enough and fit enough to and have the right you know support to, to get back but yeah I've still got the metal in now still got the rod and the nails and a bit of a lump on my leg where I did it but fortunately it's not caused me too many problems you know going forward but yeah it, it was a tough time because we were top of the league and I was enjoying my football and it was disappointing to for that to happen at that time but fortunately I, I got back well I mean it was an incredible comeback wasn't it because I, I think you you came on at Hyde on the last day of the season Luton brought three and a half thousand away fans there I mean I know you only got, got on for a few minutes towards the end but that must have been a great feeling to come on and I, and I think by all accounts Luton fans gave you a standing ovation and that must have made the 
hairs on your neck start to stand up, that sort of thing. Yeah, a special moment for me just because I've dedicated my life to getting back to play them last games. You know, I was asking all the doc, can I get, will I play again this season? Constantly well playing. And there were times where there'd have been no chance. There were times where I was struggling to run at one point to learn to walk again, you know, but work so hard and to get back for the last few weeks training. And then John still to say, look, you're involved in last game. Brilliant for me to get on and, and get back for sure. And yeah. as someone who doesn't mind getting stuck in on occasions, how was that for you, that first tackle? because you're not someone who's going to shirk a tackle at any time are you was that on your mind when you went into it sort of tackle yeah, someone I think for me in terms of the break because the guy came from behind me and sort of clattered me from behind and it brought my leg it wasn't me going into a tackle I think that might have helped me mentally because it, it was never a problem for me after going in for a tackle it didn't it didn't worry me I think if, if you break it going into a tackle I don't know if that has a different effect but like I said for me I didn't see it coming he just hit me from behind full on clatter from behind I didn't see it coming looked at my leg and it was broken it weren't so into a silly tackle and it's gone but yeah I think that might have helped 2013-14 season you won player of the year you know you remained the key player for John Steele and, and Nathan Jones afterwards you know I think you were captain at a certain point as well and Luton re-established themselves as a football league club was this the sort of best peak of your career do you think I mean 176 appearances 11 goals you must have really enjoyed your time with Luton yeah loved it felt at home there felt comfortable they looked after me after my broken my leg felt like I owed them a lot and it was a good time for me to get promoted with them and be playing in the football league with them and just enjoying my football and I loved it and managers John Still, Nathan Jones were great with me and Gary Sweet which is still brilliant for me to this day I know Luton and York have got a big rivalry so I don't want to sort of say too many amazing things about that club but they, they have been really good for me I looked at some of those 11 goals that you did score for Luton and, and there was again a bit like Swindon and that one for York against Crawley there were some real crackers in there wasn't there I mean Notts County you, you struck a real decent long range one and, and Tamworth away as well and I didn't know whether the, the Wickham volley you got on, on Boxing Day was your best one not not just because it was a, an amazing goal but also for the fact I think that was a year to the day that you broke your leg is that right? Yeah it is one I look back with fond memories because that is a bit of a derby down there a big crowd and the year before my dad was listening on the radio and he, he heard the snap on the radio himself so the next year to be playing in the football league in a big derby game to score a goal like that you know it was it, it was good for me a special moment that I look back on with, with fond memories your, your teammates as well around that time that York City fans know really well Alex Lawless and, and Steve McNulty what were they like to play alongside Alex is a great guy just such a good he'd do anything for you Alex cracking lad and the one that I still got on with really well Macca is such a character you know such a leader and I travelled with Macca quite a lot being from Preston and from Liverpool when we come back home and he'd jump in and Macca is a character there's no doubt about that some of the things but he's such a good player and at the time he was perfect for Luton you had a spell with Stevenage after leaving Luton and then Chesterfield under Martin Allen I wonder what he was like he's, you know obviously he's nickname Mad Dog but what was he like and was he similar sort of traits to Paolo Di Canio to play for? No I wouldn't say there's any sort of uh, traits the same Martin Allen I don't think I've smiled as much in a football season as I did under Martin Allen he made me laugh every day the mad things that he used to do the training the everything I, I, I loved playing for him and he's one of the best guys I've met in football and I think most players will tell you that he's such a good guy to play for the, the, the best probably motivator I've had tactically not amazing training sessions coach not amazing but in terms of motivating you and just enjoying coming into work 
you know, he's such a, there's not many like him left, to be honest. And would you have played with Sam Muggleton at, at Chesterfield as well then? Yeah, Muggs, I travelled travelled in with Muggs a little bit because at the time I was travelling in from sort of Bedford way and he was from Leicester, so he was travelling a little bit. Yeah, I got on well with Muggs, he's a good kid. He gets a bit tarnished with that, his long throw, but he suffered a really bad injury actually. Yeah. He's, struggling, he's struggling to get his career back, one of the worst injuries I've seen. Shame for him, yeah, because he's yeah. still quite a young lad, isn't he, Rel- relatively. Yeah. I just wanted to talk a little bit as well about your blog that you do, the Not Just Talent blog. And there was some really interesting pieces that you've done in that and that I sort of picked up on like I read about how you said that you used to start taking a nap at 10.30 in the morning so that you could peak for a three o'clock kickoff and, and another one where you said you cut out sugar from your diet completely and then you went from having 13 yellow cards in one season to having hardly any I just wonder these are quite unique insights yeah. were they kind of ones that, that, that you've just picked up yourself or, or are these ones that, that managers have kind of mentioned to you along the way I've done a lot of research myself I'm always reading trying to do better if an expert or someone says to me might be worth looking at this or might be worth looking at that I will always look into it and if I, if I read up and I think the research is good and I think it's worth giving it a try to help my football I would try anything Daniel that's the thing with me the, the beetroot shots before the game I don't, I don't know if you've heard of them but a lot of clubs have them now they're like little shots of beetroot and they're the worst tasting things you could ever have but for me I'd, I'd hold my doors and I'd get it down me because if that's going to help me an inch then I'll, then I'll do it and that's always been the type of person I am and I'll, like I said I'll try these things to try and better myself even sometimes it's just a mental thing and I think Paolo probably did have a lot played his part in terms of the diet installed a lot of knowledge into us about food and when to take it and even sleep a lot of information on that we'd be in Italy doing the, the training and you, you know you had to sleep in the afternoon it wasn't I'm just going to go and hang around the pool that wasn't an option you needed to be sleeping and taught me a lot about that sort of stuff and are you a superstitious footballer so if you did beat root shot before you went out and suddenly scored in a 2-0 win would you then think right I've got to do this every game or yeah, a, li- a little bit I'm not I mean there is some guys that are crazy lengths you know I played with a guy Mark Tyler and I used to travel in with him at Luton from Bedford and his apple would come out of his bag at the same time every morning he would be having a massage at the same time every morning he was so meticulous I mean there's people that go that far as me yeah I mean I am a little bit superstitious I suppose that things need to be doing right I like my before a game I like a certain energy drink and yeah but I, I wouldn't say I'm sort of the lens of some people Would you ever sort of hide in Mark Tyler's apple then just to sort of see He used to have a Mars bar before a game Mark Tyler and this Mars bar this is at the time when Steve McNulty was around so he could be a cool people this Mars bar actually went missing and this, Mark Tyler honestly and he's the quietest calmest guy it caused him big problem he, he was like where's my Mars bar he was panicking about this Mars bar and I think in the end because you know lads are like they just won't give him his Mars bar back and they've hidden it they're not just going to go oh, there you go Mark don't matter he weren't getting it back and I think he ended up sending someone to the shop to get him another one you know that's how he, he's just I guess if that's something that you is in your psyche and, and that's yeah, what gets you prepared yeah, for does. a game and, and Mark Tyler is it you know I remember York playing Luton in the FA Trophy semi-final and Luton had two players sent off and, and he was incredible we only won 1-0 and it was basically down to him making save after save you know re- really good keeper obviously had his Mars bar that day that's exactly it he's played a thousand games probably had a thousand Mars bars at this time and then this one game when I'm preparing I'm having my Mars bar oh it's not there and all of a sudden panic comes into his head if I don't have this I'm not right 
And he's just, that's just the way he was. Like I said, with the apple in the physio bed for a massage, he'd have his, phys- he'd have his physio up at nine o'clock every morning. And if someone was on that bed at that time, you'd need to move because he's, he's towels, he's 36, he needs to be on there at that time. That's just the way he is. Goalkeeper coach now at Peterborough, I'm presuming he's probably the same with that. He's just a man of routine, a creature of habit. That's just the way he lives his life. And maybe sense of his new goalkeepers that he's, he's coaching, maybe saying, oh, I've one of these just before you go out to play. You left Chesterfield at the end of last season and, and I know that you're moving into the semi-pro game I'm not quite sure whether you're able to reveal your new club I know you've told me but we might be possibly seeing you at York City's new stadium next season is that correct? Essentially Daniel yeah I mean I've not actually signed or sealed anywhere there's a couple of options it's sort of for me it's uh, with with the other opportunities that I've got, got going on in my life when you come into sort of the part-time game football's always been my number one thing whereas now and everything else just fits around my football whether that's my family my friends anything I do is always been well he's got to work around my football whereas now it's, if I'm going into sort of the part time where you train on Tuesday Thursday it's got to fit it's my, it's my second thing it's got to fit around everything else so I'm still in talks with how that's going to work in terms of you know as mentioned to you before about you know potential opportunities that I'm going to be doing with schools and stuff it's, it's, it's all got to sort of fit around that because I don't want to give the school opportunity up to have to rush off to training or to live spawns on a Tuesday and have to leave at three you know is, is that okay with the new opportunity and that then conversations are sort of ongoing at the moment and just to sort of finish off then who would you say would be the best player that you've ever played with and against in your career question that I ask a lot of guests played with there's a couple that spring to mind one would be Matt Ritchie in terms of the season he had he was just outstanding left foot right foot he had a desire to be the best and he stands out just for that season that he had with us at Swindon and Andre Gray stands out at Luton for the season he had I played with a lot of good players you know who were unsung really you know in terms of midfield I always think of my midfield I played with sort of guys like a guy called Nathan Doyle at Luton even Scotty Kerr springs to mind you know I, I enjoyed that short time playing with Scotty in my first spell at York he was a proper pro proper player and even when I do my teams now my best 11 Scotty always makes it just because at that time for me he was a perfect guy to play with because he'd, he'd done all this in his career and he just had that mentality and he taught me a lot Scott Kerr so he's always one that gets a mention for me playing against wise one that does spring to mind is Riyad Mahrez is one that always played uh, for Luton against Leicester and he actually came on sub that game but he just he just turned the game the way he just drifted past people and I think he scored an amazing goal and it was getting like millions of views on YouTube he was, he was just on the day he was just although he was so skinny and such a small guy he was just so difficult to get the ball off and get near and he had to turn a pace in terms of midfield I played against a guy called Two Guy don't know if you remember him he was a Blackburn Rovers midfielder when I was first coming through at Morecambe playing the friendly against Blackburn Rovers and he was just a Rolls Royce on the day he was just unbelievable you couldn't get anywhere near him and I was a young lad trying to tackle everything tackle the wall if I could eyes in the back of his head one touch two touch just made it look so easy it just looked too easy for him whereas for me I was just trying absolute hardest for him it was just a stroll in the park so he always springs to mind even though I was only young at the time and I think I'm right in saying that he, I think he used to smoke 30 cigarettes a day didn't he two guy he was kind of known I heard for that. that yeah so miles, bars, cigarettes, just lots of different uh, ways to prepare for a footballer. Well, Jonathan, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. You know, I wish you all the best with 
you you know your future endeavours in and out of football and maybe we'll see you next season and if we do I'm, I'm sure you get a good reception from the York fans No it'd be brilliant I think hopefully if I can carry on playing next season that would be brilliant to come and play at the new stadium as well and you know I've still got a few friends at York Rob Batty I don't know if you know Rob Batty he's, a, he's still a good friend of mine who's a big York fan and it'd be good to see him and yeah it'd be good to see some of the York fans hopefully you know get a decent reception <laughs> As long as you don't score a goal I guess But yeah it's been brilliant Daniel thanks for inviting me on you know I love coming on and talking football and I've enjoyed your other podcasts that you've done and all that Thank you very much Big thank you to Jonathan Smith there for giving up his time. I really enjoyed that. Not just the York City content, but listening to his stories about Paolo Di Canio was really interesting. And the interview actually came about because Jonathan actually took the time to say how much he enjoyed listening to the podcast, particularly with the Scott Kerr episode. So it was nice to be contacted by Jonathan about how much he liked the podcast. So it was really nice to sort of sit down with him and, and chat about his time at York City. Also, big thanks to Chris Pegg at City Cruises. Most York City fans will remember Chris from being the commercial manager before he moved to City Cruises, but it was really great to, to get a bit of a partnership with City Cruises. And, and if you quote YCFC10, you'll get 10% off any uh, City Cruise. So it looks like this will be the last player episode of the series. I had mentioned about a couple of bonus episodes, but I'm not quite sure they're going to happen now with players. There's just sort of time constraints, really. So that might well mean that we, we get another series going because of those contacts. Who knows? But there is another couple of episodes still to come of this series. That will be the two Radio York specials, which I think are, are really interesting. Dave Ward up first, and then Barry Parker will follow shortly after. So last thing to say, as, as ever, you know, if you are enjoying these podcasts, please do consider donating. It's justgiving.com forward slash York Hospital Radio even if it's a pound five pound whatever it does make a big difference to our charity and uh, it's what keeps us going so until next time thank you very much